Hello and welcome to Grazia Life Advice, Grazia's podcast. I'm Rhiannon and each week I'll be interviewing women worth listening to and getting them to pass on the six best piece of advice they've ever been given and the worst piece too. Our guest this week is Giovanna Fletcher. She is the epitome of multi-hyphening your career. Her Instagram bio lists her as a Sunday Times bestselling author, actress, blogger, vlogger, presenter, podcast host, mum and wife. You may have read her book, Happy Mum, Happy Baby, uh, listen to the hugely successful podcast of the same name, or be one of her million Instagram followers. The main thing is she's got loads of advice to give and it's really varied. We talked about everything from books to boobs. So over to Giovanna. I'm here with Giovanna. How are you today? I'm very good. Thank you very much. How are you? Good. You look incredible. You were saying could be any time. I know. Giovanna's <laughs> got this podcast, Happy Mum and Happy Baby podcast. Mm-hmm. It's massively successful. It's also yeah. on the iTunes charts. And um, tell people about it if they haven't listened. So I wrote a book um, a couple of years ago called Happy Mum, Happy Baby. And it was all about my account of motherhood. Because I'm an author anyway, and I write a lot of fiction. And um, it was something that just kept coming up at events. You know, would I ever think, would I ever do? non-fiction and I sort of started having to think about what that would be what that would look like and and for me I talk a lot about being a mum online so that would be an obvious place to kind of write something about but I felt like there are loads and loads of guidebooks and advice books about being a mum and the thing that I found is actually we're all winging it and we don't know what we're doing. And the more advice books there are, the more confused you get because you're the more you feel like there's a right way of doing everything. So I just thought, let me just sit down and write down exactly how I feel about everything. And then I can edit stuff out later on. So I included stuff like finding out I had PCOS, having a miscarriage, um, you know, everything. And I just thought at the end of that, I can edit it out if I'm not comfortable with it being out there. And I just, at the end of it, I just thought I'm not going to edit that out. Obviously, I had an editor to kind of, you know, make sure it all made sense or whatever. Um, but I wasn't going to edit anything out because I, I just felt like that was that was me as a mum. All of that came together to create the mum that I am now. And then when it was out, I um, I thought I don't want the conversation to end there because so many people were like, that's literally how I feel or, you know, that's made me feel so much better knowing that I'm not on my own. And I thought, I'm just one person. Imagine if more people started being honest about how they yeah. found motherhood or, you know, fatherhood. So I, I really wanted the, uh, wanted the podcast to happen and pushed and pushed and pushed because obviously, you know, sometimes mm. it's not as easy as kind of going, yep, you know, off we go. You've got to get the guests <laughs> and, you know, record it and everything. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, now we're, we're series three. We're on yeah. series three. And so you have amazing guests, um, kind of celebrity friends and yeah. people. Are they mostly people you know or are they? Series one was completely people I know. Mm. Um, so I literally wrote out a, ten, a, a list of 10 people that, uh, and uh, sent them a text and literally within the hour, everyone would come back and said, yes, definitely. Mm. Um, and then since then, it's it's kind of a collection of, you know, different people. Um, what's nice, it is, it, there are celebs, there are, you know, people that are well known or vloggers, but then there are also people that are less well known, but the topics, you know, it's something that I feel like we should talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've talked about fertility, baby loss. Um, this series, we're talking to two mums, uh, one who has stage four bowel cancer, the other breast cancer. Yeah. And and I think it's um, it's just a brilliant platform to get those conversations out there that we don't have and we don't know how to talk about you know mm. we're very British in our approach to so many things like that and the baby loss episode I thought I, I'd met Elle Wright and uh, Michelle Cottle lots over the over like the year before anyway and I just thought 
I I want to have that chat with them. I think I spoke to Elle and she and she said how if someone if she says to someone, um, you know, if they say to her, oh, do you have children? And she says, um, oh, I, I do, but my, my unfortunately he's died. Mm-hmm. He, he passed away at three days. She said the conversation just stops and people mm-hmm. don't know what to say. Whereas if it was, oh, have you got any grandparents? And she said, oh, they passed away. The conversation just carries on. Yeah. And and so I just thought, well, is there? It's just interesting that we don't we just don't know how to have that conversation. Um, so and and her version of motherhood is very different, but she's still a mother. Mm. Um, so yeah, I I just find it fascinating. So the guests are a collection of different people, but I understand you know the celebs kind of balance it out in terms of getting people in. Yeah. But then I think once they start listening to someone's account of motherhood or fatherhood, they're kind of hooked then, mm. and they want to hear more. Yeah. You've got loads of different advice here today, uh, not just all about motherhood, which is, you know, it's great. And I want to start off your first piece of advice, which I personally have to say I'm a real fan of. Kill it with kindness. Kill it with kindness. Yeah. Um, I think the Essex Italian in me is quite feisty. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've realised over the years that actually just kind of giving someone nothing but kindness back they can't do anything with that. Mm. They can't, there's nothing they can come back with. Um, and that for me diffuses the situation. It makes me feel better. Um, you know, obviously there are times where I just find myself like a five-year-old talking to myself in front of the mirror, saying all the things I wish I'd have said. Um, but I do think that that's the only way to kind of move forward and to just kind of, because I I think things grow. Mm. I think if you greet that with, more hate or you know horrible words then it's just growing and growing and growing so kill it with kindness is my it's yeah it's it's been something that I think it's been in my life now for about 15 years okay wow yeah. so it's a well-practiced tactic yeah yeah I think so do your family and friends find it frustrating when they're just up for a fight <laughs> oh no I mean it, I mean I use the piece of advice but there are certain people that don't get their piece yes. of advice <laughs> like I think siblings um but Tom you know I, I think you know you still have to mm. sort of stick up for what you believe and and um and you know the feisty Essex Italian has to come out somewhere mm-hmm. um but definitely when it comes to um other like others I think that's it's really really important yeah absolutely I think that's really key and it takes the sting out of things and I think it's interesting Mm. that we don't know what to do with kindness and people just oh okay it's such a diffuser immediately Yeah. yeah yeah your second piece of advice I mean something we all know um and we all should do but always worth repeating check your boobs yeah it could save your life so I uh four years ago I met Chris the founder of Copperfield mm-hmm. and uh and at the time even though breast cancer is in my family at the time I literally thought the only Simon sign of breast cancer was a lump mm-hmm. that that's the only one I thought I didn't know that there are so many other signs and symptoms so there's dimpling um there's inverted nipples there's rashes there's pain there's itchiness there's swelling mm. like there's so many things that we just don't even associate but they could be embarrassing if you've got a leaky nipple then mm. it, loads of people would just be embarrassed about it and not go and see a doctor even if it's leaking blood you know and and, and sadly I've heard of so many people that feel embarrassed about their symptoms mm. and then by the time they do go and see a doctor maybe two years after those symptoms wow, ar- arised then you're already talking about stage four breast cancer. And um, uh, so I, as soon as I met Chris and found out her story, I got involved with Copperfield and now sort of do a lot of work with them. And now I'm now one of their patrons. 
And I just think it's so important. It's such a simple thing. And I know loads of people were like, well, yep. Because we do this thing on a trading floor where we went around and sort of had our boobs and stuff. Yeah. You know, we <laughs> said to loads of guys and they're oh, what's this? What's this? But actually 400 men a year mm. in the UK alone get diagnosed with breast cancer. God. So it's just as important for men to get to know their pecs. And actually all of us to just know our bodies, know what's normal. Yeah. Um, because we're the ones that are with our bodies all the time. Mm. So it's just really important. Do you enjoy, you know, you said you now work at Copperfield. Do you yep. enjoy having those opportunities, the platform you've got? Is that something you then enjoy going off? And yeah, because like otherwise, I, th- I always say, I feel like otherwise it's, um, it's self-indulgent drivel. <laughs> what you're doing online, you know right. what I mean? It's, yeah. This is my life. Um, <laughs> whereas I, th- I feel like the other side, it gives it purpose. Mm. And, and people should be using those platforms in a way that's, that, that is important and can make a real impact mm. and can help people. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really important and I don't understand if people don't do it. Yeah, do you kind of look around some celebrities like, oh, you should be <laughs> doing a bit more? Well, it's hard, isn't it? Because I do get that people are busy and Mm. whatever I just think we all feel passionately about something you know I understand that we can't all there's no point in us all supporting every single charity under the sun because otherwise you're spread so thinly and no message is getting out um but uh, there is something for all of us to connect with Mm. so it's important I think that we find that and then champion it so you you spoke about being an author already, but you yeah. know that is that's the day job. Yeah, you would say. Um, and your third piece of advice is about that. Yes, it's just start writing. Mm. Um, before I start, uh, before I became an author, um, I was um, working at Heat magazine, and strangely, um, I, I th- it was when Twitter was the big thing, mm. and they tweeted in the morning saying I was going to be in that day, and um, I think I was that like, editorial assistant that's the one that sits in the office and does yep. all the copy but yeah all the, all the printing <laughs> yep. stuff uh so i was saying that, that very, was like, important very important job so i'd literally just come in as cover every now and then and um and dorothy coombson saw the tweet and she was like oh my god she looks just like one of the characters in the book that i'd just written uh, which was ice cream girls right. so we started following each other and then a few literally a couple of months later i found myself on the beach with Dorothy in Brighton, eating chips out of a bag on the beach. And uh, she was just saying to me how um, uh, how everyone would, everyone says to her when she says that she's a writer, oh, I'd love to be a writer. Mm. I'd love to just sit down and do that. And her advice was just do it then. Mm. Because unless you do, nothing else can happen. And I think I'd always been, I'd always been a massive reader. I'd love reading. Like I was literally always, my mum and dad were trying to turn the lamp off when they were watching EastEnders. And, and, you know, I'd always have to sit and put a read in the TV light rather than an actual lamp to save electricity. (laughs) Um, and, uh, and, 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 you know, I'm one of those annoying people that if I'm on an escalator, I'm li- literally there's a book in my right. face. And, um, uh, and so I've, I've always loved storytelling and reading, but I always thought the authors were people that went to Oxford right, or yeah. studied English somewhere fancy and I'd done acting. And, uh, but Dorothy's words that day kind of made me go, actually, it's, if you're a storyteller, mm. uh, just go for it and just start writing. Cause the worst thing that can happen is you find yourself after a few weeks going, oh no, that's not for me. Because unless you start writing, you don't even know if you like it. No. You, you like the idea of being a writer, but what is that? 
And it must be frustrating, I think, for authors when people say that to them, oh, I'd love to do a book as if like it's that easy. Oh, if and, I had you the know, time oh, to just yeah. sit down and write. And it's like, well, at some point they've made that decision. And, yeah. And that's what they've decided to do. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, it was a big decision to kind of go, actually, no, that's going to be my focus for the next year. Mm. And it is a bit of a it's a stab in the dark, really, because you don't know if you're going to like it. You don't know if other people are going to like what you read. But that's the joy in the first book. You're writing for your own enjoyment in a way. Uh, and then the second book, for me, and for a lot of authors, that's when the fear sets in because mm. you're like, oh my God, I wrote the other one. This Now I've got a deadline. There are expectations. Are they going to, you know, the publisher's going to think it's a fluke. Yeah. My dad's going to read this sexy scene that I'm writing, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, you start thinking about so many other things. So, um, yeah, my advice for people that say, oh, I'd love to be a writer is just to get going and do it because mm. it's only through doing that can you actually find out whether you even like it what's your process like I'm always interested in what an author like what time of day do you write how much do you do it's changed every book and uh yeah for Billy and me it was literally so the first book it was a case I didn't have children then so I'd get up have a shower let breakfast have a shower get into some new pajamas you know (laughs) come downstairs go on all my social media read over what I'd done the day before then have lunch then be a bit tired have a nap bit of mind I've done no work at this point (laughs) Um, and then wake up about three and then be solid writing for about six hours right whereas now I get up with the kids uh, about half past five um, we have breakfast they're out the door if they're at nursery or Mm. uh, with grandparents at about nine if this is if, if it's a writing day and then uh, I'll write literally no social media, like no none of the other fluff that would ever yeah. ex- have existed before. Uh, write straight away, and then about half eleven, me and Tom literally sit down for uh, for lunch at half eleven, no matter if the kids are with us or not. Really? Well, I kind of feel like we've been up since half five. That's it, a decent amount of time yeah. to you're hungry. Uh, we also have dinner all together at five, so I guess uh, yeah, we're not we're everything gets shifted earlier. Mm. Uh, and then so we have our lunch about half eleven, and then working until maybe about half three when the boys come back. Then do all the you know playtime, um, dinner time. Uh, bath time story time uh, with the boys they go to bed at seven and then working again until about 10 11 if I'm on a deadline maybe one or two right yeah so your life has become regimented by their regime as much as theirs yeah yeah exactly exactly mm-hmm. and obviously there are days where it varies because of yeah. you know podcast stuff and things like that but that's a, that's a typical writing day mm-hmm. uh, and actually I get so much more work done in the evening when yeah. the kids are asleep because obviously the other emails you know aren't coming through and you know I think my manager's cottoned on to the fact you know if you want something done ask a busy person yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll sneak that blog in there or that column in there that's fine yeah. um, uh, so those little things sneak in but then in the evening it's back to being completely dedicated to the book that you're writing and do you enjoy it do you sit there loving it I do I mean it's frustrating there's mm. a process there's a seven point process when you're writing and I can't remember all the points um, but the first one is definitely something like this is amazing this idea is incredible mm. and then it's like oh actually uh, it's all right oh my god this is crap this is the worst thing I've ever written yeah. oh no it's all right oh no, it's, it's actually quite good it's amazing so you yeah. go through this like <laughs> this wave uh, mm. when you're writing um, so it is frustrating because I feel like it's a really big piece of pu- like a really big puzzle that you're trying Mm. to piece together um but that feeling 
that I get when I press send on that email and send it over to my editor. There's nothing like it. Oh God, I bet. I literally dance around the house. I feel like my personality just comes flooding back in <laughs> as soon as that goes. Right. That's that the ultimate homework feeling, but for months. It really have. is. It yeah. really is. And, 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 uh, and obviously, so my husband now writes as well. Tom now writes as well. And, uh, and I think he's found it quite surprising that, you know, if you're writing a song, you can write that song and work on it for, you know, however many, a day or whatever. And then you can listen to it back in three minutes. Whereas if you're writing a book, you can't listen to it and you can't read it back in three minutes. Yeah. It, take, it might take a whole morning to read over what you've been, you know, if, you, if it's a big chunk. Yeah. Um, so it is, it, it, just, it does take a lot of, a lot of time. Sounds like a nice way to live, though, both of you doing your bits and coming yeah, back together. Yeah, coming back together. Lovely. It's really nice. And actually, so having Eve of Man together, so we've written a, tri- a trilogy together. So Tom usually writes um, uh, children's and I usually write adults and we've come together to write young adults. Mm. Um, and uh, and it's it's nice having that shared responsibility and having those two voices as well. We've not shied away from the fact that it's got two authors. Yeah. I write Eve, he writes Bram. And it's great for childcare because mm. when it's him writing his chapter, I get to be with the kids. And yeah. if it's me, then um, he gets to be with the kids. Um, so it's been great. Very well worked out. It's yeah. very efficient. <laughs> yeah. into it. Uh, your fourth piece of advice is about what you should read rather than what you should be writing. Oh, yes. Read The Secret. I read The Secret about 15... Was it 15? How old am I now? 33. Oh, my gosh. 20 years? No. 10? No. <laughs> How old am I? No, about 10 years ago. Must have been about 10 years ago. Is that right? I want to say 10 years ago. Could even be 11 years ago. And so it's all about the law of attraction and um, and how, uh, you know, the things that we put out there, we get back mm. and how positives and negatives aren't registered. So if you're thinking about something like debt, oh, I don't want to get into debt, I don't want to get into debt. Even though you're saying you don't want it, yeah. you're saying debt, 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 stuff like that. That's a really simple. That's the first, first um, example that came into my head. But um, just that law of attraction and how positivity breeds positivity. Mm. Uh, I just think it's so important, and it is that kill it with kindness thing again. Really, it's having that in your world, and then it creates more of it. Um, I just think I just love it, and I actually, there is actually like a little DVD of the secret which is quite cult like when you first put it on right. i think they've even edited it together so there's like loads of monks i think it's on and amazon as well now yeah, I think I've seen it. yeah uh, but you kind of watch it and, it and and i think it's easy to kind of go oh it's just a load of nonsense mm. but i don't i don't mind that i just think if something's making you think of think of like look at the world in a more positive light then that's got to be a good thing and do you remember the sex the experience of kind of sitting down and think and it kind of really changing the way you think yeah, yeah, I really do. I really do. And then I, I sort of read it. I literally, I remember that um, Christmas getting my mum and dad both a copy of the book, both a copy of the DVD, this like day by day action thing okay. that they could get. Yeah, I properly um, took it on board uh, and absolutely fell in love with it. Um, and obviously there are times where things don't go to plan and, you know, mm. you know, they just don't happen but it's about going that's fine. Like that is that and let's move forward. And you still come back to it today? Yeah, mm. yeah. That's amazing. That is the effect that books can have on you, though, isn't it? Yeah, I think, I think when so. they're good, not just non-fiction, but fiction too. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. A great fiction book can just, you know, mm. that's why I love it. I just think they take you somewhere else, and if they have an impact on you and make you, 
change the way you see the world or even for a moment kind of go actually I should be doing that then job well done mm. everybody has that book that they recommend first if someone says oh what would what should you be reading which I have one I tell everyone to read Olive Kitteridge by Elizabeth Strout oh, okay. what is your book apart from the secret that you say to everybody yeah yeah try that me first. before you by yeah. Jojo Moyes I just think it's an incredible book I literally uh, so Dorothy Coombson actually had told me to to read that she was like oh you've not read it you should must must read that and uh, and I I bought it for a trip to New York and I was packing the day before we left Picked it up just to read the first page. <laughs> That's not possible with that no, book. No, no. Read half of it and absolutely loved it. And then literally spent the rest of the flight, the flight the next day, with my hair covering my face, just head buried in the book and just sobbed the whole mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. I just think... Um, the way that it deals with the topic, the way that it almost normalises it and, and turns, um, turns the whole thing into a... Um, like it makes it everyone think yeah make yeah it kind of makes you stop and go actually how how would I feel and uh, and I think that at the time there'd been lots of stuff in the press about um um oh what's the place in Switzerland called Dignitas Dignitas mm. um and uh you know I think there's lots of judgment and uh, stigma attached to it but then you read that book and you kind of like well, actually, how would I feel if I was in that position? And um, and I'd only ju- I've only just watched the film. I can't do it. I can't face it. The book was a, a trauma enough. <laughs> well, but I, you know when you watch, you uh, they, well, exactly it was a, it's a trauma, but it's a and it's done so beautifully. I just mm. really, really, uh, really loved it and written in a way that is accessible. Like my whole thing with reading is. And I know it's not the same for everyone, but I want someone to just read a story and not feel like, oh, what's that word? Well, what's that? What does mm-hmm. that mean? I, I just, I don't, I don't want them to be thinking about the words. I want them to feel like that character is taking them somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and that book completely did that, even though it was tackling a difficult subject. Um, yeah. So I, anyway, anyway, I, uh, I, I, uh, I watched the film. But was scared to because I always feel like I don't want that message to get diluted or whatever. But I absolutely loved it. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I'll give it a go. It's such a... When you love a book, it's such a trial, isn't it? Thinking, yeah. watching the film, what's it going to be like? Well, and things get changed. Like, P.S. I love you got changed. Mm. It got set somewhere different. And, yeah. you know, even where she went on holiday was different. But I get it because it turns into an international film rather than just a, you yeah. know... But you're sad because you feel you feel like you own it, don't you? Yeah, you do. Yeah. You do. Your fifth piece of advice, Ooh. very practical. And uh, it's something we're all told. <laughs> mm, I say I do about 85% of the time. Wash your makeup off before you go to bed. <laughs> I never used to do this. Never, ever, ever. Okay. No. <laughs> Let that sit on there until you have a shower the next day. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then um, but I was doing something last year with Declure, actually, and um, and they were just saying, uh, so it was about me being, it was about mums not having a load of time basically mm-hmm. to do stuff. And I'm the ultimate for being quite lazy when it comes to skincare. And um, and the lady I was talking to was like, the, the cardinal sin is to leave your makeup on overnight. <laughs> I was like, oh man. Uh, so since then, I, t- I took her, wi- her, her wise words and I have been acting on them and I do feel much fresher when I go to sleep and when I wake up. Yeah. Do you know what it was? I, don't, I didn't like getting my face wet. Yeah. Do I know I mean? what you mean, yeah. And it's the, sometimes you just want to flop into bed and not like, yeah. do a routine. Mm. Yeah. Um, whereas actually now I'm, em- I'm embracing it and, uh, and 
I, I, my skin feels a lot better for it. Oh, yeah. And there's all kind of um, nasty stuff on the internet now about what happens to your eyes if you don't take your mascara off. Oh, really? Don't Google it. It's but you wouldn't boring. think anything of it because it's just on your eyelashes. Mm, no. No. Bacteria and terrible Ooh. things. Yeah. I mean, my mum used to... Um, uh, like have a bath in the evening and then put more mascara on to go to sleep. No. Yeah, didn't I don't think that came off for about 15 years. It's better now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, so it does yeah. help I think. And it, the feeling of waking up in the morning, it makes me feel hungover even when I'm not hungover. Yeah. Yeah. And and that panda look. Yeah. It's you not know. good is yeah. it? Yeah. And it's not good for your sheets. No. Once the mascara gets on there, that's it. Because um, I, yeah, I guess it was mostly mascara because the rest of my makeup just kind of melts off during mm. the day. Um, but yeah, mascara just is the beast that sticks. <laughs> Good, practical. That's fine. <laughs> nice and varied, my advice. Nice yes. and varied. Yeah. And uh, your final piece of good advice. Sing, I love. <laughs> sing wherever and whenever you can. Yes. I just think it's so good. I think it, uh, obviously, some people just don't like it and that's fine. But I, I just think it releases something in you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've had it where I used to sing in the shower all the time and then just suddenly, you just suddenly stop doing things, don't you, after a while? Yeah. And then starting again and going, ah, oh, this is great, isn't it? And I think of my nan, who we used to walk her around Tesco's uh, once a week. It was like a thing that we used to do with her. And she used to sing the whole way round. And I just think it's such a joyous thing. Mm-hmm. It's infectious. I mean, I don't imagine we're all going to turn into a musical and start <laughs> singing, you know, somewhere with the rainbows. We walk yeah. around the pea aisle. The pea aisle, because there's a whole <laughs> aisle dedicated to peas. Um, there are in some supermarkets. Peas, they're quite varied, yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, but I just think um, it's just such a lovely, yeah. expressive thing. And so emotive. Is it? Is there a lot of singing in your house, I imagine? Yeah, there is a fair, fair yeah. bit. Yeah. What's the family favourite? What's? Oh, what is it at the moment? What is it at the moment? We get a lot of... Um, it depends what film we're on. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing so. I, we've been watching Wizard of Oz actually. So Summer of the Rainbow is being sung, oh, right. which is really sweet. Yeah. But then we've also uh, been um, watching uh, Big Hero Six. It's all of their favourite films, yeah. like the soundtracks that go with it. Um, we've been watching Back, Back to the Future. So all of those kind of sixties. Um, it's sixties, isn't it? We go back to the sixties, fifties, eighties. Go back 50s. to the fifties, yeah, that's right. Yeah, which is a um, weird mix. Yeah, 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 fifties. <laughs> um, so we've got some of those. I mean, we are. There's a lot of noise in our house. Mm. And Greatest Showman, that is the biggest hit actually at the moment. Yeah, Greatest Showman. I heard about a, thir- a three-year-old birthday party that was Greatest Showman themed the other day, and I was thinking they can't have sat all the way through that. I don't know. So I because so Tom. Uh, so Michael Gracie is working with Tom on the Christmas Aurus, so wow. they're turning that into an animated um, feature film mm. uh, musical, and um, and so they're working closely together. And so Tom had been to the premiere; he'd you know over in New York, he'd been Michael invited him to see like a really small screening here with his family. Yeah. So Tom, when it came out, Tom had already seen it a couple of times. Um, so I literally only sat down to watch it maybe about four months ago mm-hmm. and I sat down to watch it that night and then I thought you know what the boys would love this and the next day I put it on and they literally sat there for well for a good chunk of time Buzz sat there the whole time yeah whereas Buddy was sort of he's only two he sort of got up and was just dancing along with the music <laughs> but they absolutely love it and now they just yeah. act it out all the time they've really? got their little outfits that they go and grab 
their little umbrellas that they use as canes and their little top hats. That's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very into that idea. I just think it feeds into their imaginations yeah. and, and that thing of um, like anything's possible. And they take, they have, kids take from stuff what they, whatever they think, don't yeah. they? Yeah. You know? doesn't have to be on all levels. No. We like to finish on a piece of bad advice because we all Let's get bad advice. Let's finish on a negative note. <laughs> Our bad advice normally comes actually good advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, what's the bad advice you've been told? I think all the advice I've been given since becoming a mum. Really? Because everyone wants to push their advice and their experiences onto you. Mm-hmm. And actually, so the good advice that comes from all that advice is just to push it all away mm. and figure out what works for you. Because I think all of that advice with it all comes judgment uh, because you try and do it all. You try and think, oh, no, but Sally down the road, she said this. Yeah, but Bob, he said that I should be doing that. Oh, OK, well, maybe I'll mesh the two together. And you're not listening to your instincts at all because all you're consumed with is that there's a right way of doing it and you're mm. not doing it. Um, so, yeah, so my advice coming from the bad advice would be to kind of push all of that away and maybe take the bits that you think oh that's interesting maybe I'll try that but don't feel like you have to do everything that everyone says to you that you have to try yeah I I think it's interesting because I think the position you're in people must come to you and say well what should I do about x y and z and of course it would be easy for you to say you should do this Mm. and so is it do you have to be careful well yeah because every parent is different and every Mm. child is different and I know people will say you know oh uh, you know like say Buzz and Buddy are different but they've been born into the same environment they haven't mm. because Buzz was a single child like Buzz was on his own and now Buddy's there so Buddy's already always had a big brother so that environment is instantly different yeah. um, so I think it's all about sort of figuring out what works for you but then if someone says to me oh I've you know my child's not sleeping what you know what should I do I can say oh you know well Buzz had that and mm. in the end we did this but you know I always follow up with but every child's different yeah because you know I don't believe it's a one size fits all we're all different mm. so why are we expecting our children to conform to something yeah absolutely mm. so don't listen to all the mom advice do listen to the washing your face and yeah exactly. the secret there all of that go. kind of stuff yeah <laughs> thanks so much Giovanna thank you Thank you so much to Giovanna for coming in and being so lovely. Loads of interesting advice there. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, please do subscribe, rate us, review us. It really helps to spread the word. We really, really appreciate it. We look forward to seeing you next week for more advice from women worth listening to.